The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I am joined by my co-host, Dave. How's it going, Dave? Star Wars. Star Wars? Star Wars. Is this all I'm going to get from you this episode? Like, I count on a certain level of banter with my co-host, and you're just going to... Star Wars. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars! (laughs) So, Dave, see any good movies lately? Star Wars. (laughs) How many times have you seen it so far? Star Wars, three times. Wow. See, because um, I remember... Thursday, told, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday. Yeah. You told us last episode that you were going to go, like, you know, every day on the opening weekend. You know, uh, Last I read is that Star Wars grossed about $220 million this weekend. Sweet. And about 210 of it might have been you. I, that's fine. It actually... <laughs> you know what's actually interesting? Yeah. I actually had to, so I had to change up my plans for yesterday's showing. So I actually had to go to another showing. So technically, I actually, I actually paid for four tickets. So actually, I, I basically, I made a donation. One of them was a donation. <laughs> just, just, I want to let you know just how happy I am with the stuff you guys are doing. Just here's some extra money. I, I don't even need it to be deducted. I'm f- cool that it's like not tax. That's not like a deduction I could take <laughs> yeah, or whatever. JJ Abrams is not a 501c3. Um, that's very, very cool. Here's my, my plea to you. Okay. I have not seen it yet. Wait, 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 wait. Cause that's going to be my next question. What did you say? I have not seen Star Wars yet. Cause I mean, okay, hold on a second. Look, Today is, is what? It's Sunday, December yeah. 20th. It, it's been out now for four days. That's right. What the bleep are you talking about? Well, look, man, I'm like, I'm, I'm more of a casual Star Wars fan. I'm not a big Star Wars fan like you. So for me, I'm just waiting for the crowds to die down a bit. That's all. Like, maybe I'll see it like They're Tuesday, Wednesday the during the week. to die down. One, the, the kids are going to be out of school anyway, so that, that theory may not hold water. Well, like, like, Two, I, I don't mind seeing it in front of a packed house. I just don't want it to be like a really packed house. What is your major malfunction? <laughs> I'm sorry. There's spoilers abound. I mean, I could... I'm not... I know, so I'm counting on you not to spoil anything. Well, that's right, because we don't want the listeners to turn off. That's right. Although uh, I bet already, a lot of the listeners haven't seen Star Wars yet. Well, they've already downloaded it. So technically, the numbers of the ratings count. That's right, except if you spoil even a tidbit of Star Wars, I'm guessing people aren't going to want to listen to yeah, subsequent episodes. No, like, be yeah, cool, that, man, no, be no, cool. I, I'm cool. I'm not a spoiler person. I'm not one of those douchebags. I mean, it's been hard enough. I've had to basically avoid the internet the last three days. Well, that's your problem. <laughs> you haven't seen it yet. What have you been, what have you been doing? Staying away from the crowds. That's my only excuse. Who cares? I, yeah, I did the first night. I waited in line three hours because I'm a fan. I'm committed. You are. I should be <laughs> committed. Well, that's, but that's another topic for another day. So in the, in the final segment of the show, we are going to do something Star Wars related. You haven't told me what it's going to be, but uh, in the D block, you're going to do Star Wars stuff. Before we get to that in the third segment, in the next segment... We got music business consultant and musician and teacher and just all around music business guru, Bobby Borg, stopping by. Uh, I like this guy a lot. I've read mm-hmm. um, his books. I read his articles and Hypebot um, and a bunch of other publications all the time. It's going to yeah. be great to get the perspective of just a music industry and DIY expert. So if you're oh, a DIY yeah. artist, he, stop he, on by. He's unstoppable. I'm pretty sure. I mean, you can't even 
try to like get away from him, man. He's got his information down. You might say resistance oh. is futile. Did you feel good about that? I did. Do you know how many Borg jokes he must get on a daily basis? I don't know, man, but he, if he's got like cool clientele, man, right? Do you think they're really caring about Star Trek? We're nerds. That's cool. Yeah. That's okay. fine. But do you think out there, like in the Hollywood Hills, do you think they really do? They care about that stuff as much as we do? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, I, I do know that maybe now there are, there are some people right now in LA, QLC West Coast edition going on right now. Unfortunately, you, you're over here, but all your buds. All my old podcasting yeah, friends. Yeah, quick, quick shout out to QLC uh, West Coast right now. Evan, Elisa, JC, Alex, all those guys and everything out there. It's it's amazing that uh, I had, I'm the one that had to say that, not you. Well, I'll say this about those QLC guys: they're actually coming into town next week. My old podcasting friends, Elisa, Evan, and I'd Wait, love all to, of them. Well, Jason no, J, J, no, JC and Alex, they're, yeah. they're they've left town, but I'd love to see if we can get them in the studio next week. Have like a nice, you know, four person podcasting free for all. Be that pretty fun. Would be great, but oh, that's right, I forgot. We can't. Why can't we? Oh, because I say so. That's their past, Ryan. But is this are, this is are, the future? Are you still doing this podcasting jealousy thing? Where you know I, I had a past in podcasting, you refuse to let it come back, even in a small measure. You split. Did you have any podcast kids? No, the relationship is done. They're not paying podcast alimony. All right, it's over. Clean break. It's gonna be really fun to have them in here and just see you be so bitter the whole time. Oh. So <laughs> before we, yeah, Ryan looks great, doesn't he? Yeah, he's worked out for me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and, and, and since then, you know, yeah, he's graduated from college, and, you know, he's got some good income and everything. Yeah, we're very happy. Thank you. So I'll, I'll let you continue your jealous rage, but let me at least just <laughs> sneak in the contact information. If you want to learn more about the Break the Business podcast, uh, you can check out our website at breakthebusiness.com, as well as email us with show questions, show topics, uh, any kind of show criticism. You can send that to breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You don't have any other fits of jealous rage here? No, no, no but we, we got some other things we got to plug, too. Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Uh, check it out your local movie theaters go to starwars.com yeah they really need our help um go to the theme parks and disney for star wars buy star wars merchandise you know bb8 droids all over the place um just just keep on supporting star wars folks yeah they, they need it you know it's new but it's good you know they you know you know how i describe it it's like an old friend these the, the, this new movie and the, the new the, the sort of the, the the rebooting as you can say the franchise not rebooting, but just to bring it back it's like mm -hmm. an old friend you haven't seen in a very very long time, and you love that you're you have your old friend back but you can tell there's something different about him, and that's fine because things have changed and time has moved on and you yourself have also changed, but you know what despite that you look forward to having some new adventures with your old friend. That's very sweet. Yeah. That's what you feel when you're waiting in line with, uh, you know, all the all the nerds who smell like Cheetos and, you know, uh, Mountain Dew Code Red. And that those are the feelings you're having. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll be back on the Break the Business podcast with uh, Bobby Borg. Uh, whether or not Ryan makes it, we shall see. <laughs> all right, before, uh, don't hold your breath, right, Wait, wait, one more thing real quick. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan, K-A-I-R, and Dave at D-K-A-Y-E-1027. Okay, you find out those being your possible last words in life? They may very well be, because okay, I feel like I've good. crossed a line. All right, we'll see what happens when we come back on the Break the Business podcast. 
Ryan here from the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Break the Business Podcast. He is a celebrated musician, writer, teacher, and music business consultant. He is the author of the Hal Leonard books, Music Marketing for the DIY Musician and Business Basics for Musicians. You can find his work as well as learn about his consulting services at bobbyborg.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Borg is on the Break the Business Podcast. How's it going, Bobby? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, It is a pleasure to have you. We, we've been doing this podcast for about almost four months now, and we've had quite a few artists uh, that we've interviewed, and most of them are DIY artists that we have on so we can get the first-person perspective on their uh, entrepreneurial life in music. And though you are also an artist and have been an accomplished recording artist for many years, what makes your presence here I think valuable is also your just the expertise you bring to this you're I, I'm excited because I think you're going to give a lot of great insight on how to on how to drive one's career as a DIY musician because you've written these books you do consulting you write a ton of articles uh for uh, uh for places like Hypebot, uh, which is a you know publication I think is one of the best around in terms of giving you know great news and insight for DIY artistry so it's thr- it's a thrill to have you here and uh for those of for those of those listening out there who are not uh, quite attuned to what you do, uh, can you give a little bit of your background and how you sort of fell into the music consulting side of the music industry? Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to give you a little bit of an overview about uh, what I do and how I got into the industry and how I ended up doing consulting. Um, well, first and foremost, I'm a musician. I started at a very, very young age. I was born into an artistic family. Uh, my father was uh, a designer and uh, slash a business person. So I was always um, around somebody that was playing a lot of jazz records and was always very, very motivated. He was an entrepreneur and very successful himself. So at a very young age, I was getting all this positive reinforcement. And literally, by the age of six or seven, I was already practicing a couple hours a day. And by the time I was 12, I was practicing up to about, you know, five to even seven hours a day. And it just got worse and worse from there (laughs) into the 15 and 20 hours, as crazy as that sounds. Um, But it does have something to say about getting good at something, which we'll talk about later. It takes a lot of time and effort. But um, moving on, I you know, went to Berklee College of Music in Boston and uh, then went to you know, New York City and where I got signed to some, some very, very big labels and had extremely huge management companies and producers and lawyers working for us. And at that time is when I realized that music is an art and making money from it Succeeding in it, living it, lasting it is a very serious business. And you have to find the intersection between art and commerce to succeed. And that's a very difficult thing to do for the musician that figures I'm just going to create in a vacuum in my room, throw it out there, and everyone's going to love me. 
you know? So it was a rude awakening. And at that point, I said to myself, wow, you know, this is, this is insane. I mean, I was not prepared for this. And, you know, all these things that you have to understand about performing rights to organizations and who the Harry Fox Agency is and, <laughs> and you know, who sound exchange is and what's music publishing and all these types of things um, became very, very important. So I started to investigate the materials that were out there. And I found that a lot of the material out there um, was 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 written for people essentially that that appear to understand the industry already. Um, a lot of the books were were written by attorneys, and it sounded like the language was essentially for attorneys. Definitely not a kid that's getting on a tour bus. So I thought, wow, maybe there's a way that I can break this down a little bit and simplify it, and uh, and 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 and, and kind of help my fellow musician. You know, um, and then, of course, over the years uh, with experience being in the trenches, um, you know, I came to a point in my career where I'd done some really beautiful things and things I was satisfied with. I, I started putting a lot of my energy in, in, into into crafting a book. It was called The Musician's Handbook, which came out on Billboard Books in 2003, and it became used all over the country at Berklee College of Music, um, you know, at UCLA, et cetera. And um, and that just, uh, you know, uh, turned into a career teaching at UCLA, teaching at Musicians Institute and then writing a series of books and writing a series of articles. And essentially, my whole purpose is to help music business professionals turn their, you know, their art into a more successful business. So really, consulting came from, um, you know, my own personal experiences and the desire to kind of say, hey, you guys, you know, you, you kind of need to know the other stuff. So, so really, it's, it's very cathartic for me. It's almost I feel like I'm teaching myself, the young self, you know, when, when I'm teaching younger artists. It's almost as if, I, if I'm saying, you know, hey, guys, this is what I should have known when I was, you know, 21. So the metaphor I like to use is, you know, I, I was the football player. I, I played in the NFL, you know, um, got tackled, got beat up a little bit <laughs> and lived to, lived to tell about it. And now I'm the coach. I like that. And I ad admire your perspective um, and, and the things that you're saying and, and how they can really apply to indie artists. And one of the things that we've always talked about on this show from week to week is how the industry is changing to the extent that the things that these big content companies like record labels uh, have traditionally done, recording, promotion, distribution, now, thanks to changes in technology, can be done by anybody uh, to some extent, and the playing field is becoming more level. But I think the one area where artists can still struggle, even as DIY artists, is knowledge. It's There's a lot to learn. There's a lot of things out there. And so the stuff that you do um, as a consultant writing these books uh, can really help bridge that final gap in the new music industry. Well, uh, absolutely. Um, and as you and I both know, there are a lot of there's a lot of material out there. There's a lot of people blogging. Um, and, you know, there's, there's no barrier of entry on, on, on the Internet. So, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm looking out and I'm reading, you know, some of these things that are available to, to artists. And there's some really amazing stuff out there. But then on the other hand, um, there, there's a lot of people that are just trying to capitalize on this new era and are trying to create these, you know, these, these, these tools 
um, <laughs> that, you know, are going to take advantage, unfortunately, of, of younger artists as well. So it's important that people also know how to choose the right information as well and the right blogs. And, and you really need to look for, for credible sources. Well, that's a great point. So what art advice can you give to the artists listening out there to help them distinguish between the more credible and the less credible sources? Well, I always become a little suspicious when um, somebody doesn't address, like, who they are, and they don't have a picture of themselves, (laughs) and they don't have a biography of of who they are and what their experiences are in the industry, and maybe even where they went to school and who they studied under and what what degrees they have, how long they've been practicing, etc. So a lot of times what happens is, for example, is a student will come to me and they'll say, you know, hey, this is a new licensing company, and, you know, if you pay them X number of dollars every year, they'll take your music and they'll help you get it in film and television. And then I go to their website, which I have never heard of, number one. <laughs> number two, there is no information about who the founders of the companies are or who is running the company. There is no picture of telling who is the staff. Uh, there's no biographies. There's no clear contact information. Uh, those always um, make me a little bit nervous. It, it's not to say that those are automatically bad. I can't make that assumption, of course, but I'm always a little suspicious about people that, that aren't willing to put themselves out there if they truly have something of quality and that's credible. So that's kind of the first sign I, I look for, of course. Um, the second thing is, is I just go through all my contacts and I say, hey, have you guys ever heard of them? Nope, nope, nope. I see if they're you know, I check the Better Business Bureau. I, I check whether or not there's any complaints against them. <laughs> um, and all these things are things you can very easily do. Thank God for the Internet. Um, are there particular publications that you would tend to be more inclined to give your stamp of approval on, um, on the, well, in the online sphere? Uh, now, would those be blogs or, yeah. or, or books that you're talking about? Well, blogs. Well, I think some of the, you know, uh, some of the, again, what I look for is I I like companies that sort of have been around for a while because um, they're not like fly by night. So some of those companies uh, where you might be able to find some really good articles, um, uh, Disc Maker slash CD Baby um, has a blog called The DIY Musician. And they're just a company that I trust because, um, I mean, literally, They've been around for for decades, and uh, and, and they tend to put out good information. Um, Sonic Bids blog, uh, the girl that is actually running that is a graduate of Berkeley College of Music, and I had an opportunity to meet her. And she actually does um, quite well, I think, with her blog. She really takes a lot of time to make sure all the information is accurate. She has links to other material. So I think she really puts a lot of pride into doing hers right. You mentioned... um, you know, Hypebot, which is, uh, you know, one that's very popular to go to. Um, also, um, Berkeley Today is another one that is also very, very good. Um, and I also really like, um, you know, this might be kind of going off into a little bit of another area, but I also like um, the Harvard Business uh, School as, uh, blog as well. So, um, uh there you have it. That's great. Oh no, I, I actually, I actually am thrilled that you mentioned that last one. Uh, I, I, I read that one quite a bit, and I think 
And, and I've actually read it a bunch of times and, and thought to myself, that's really a principle that I think would apply very well to indie artists. Um, and so you, you sort of just made a little light off, light go off in my head there. That's uh, great. In your latest book, Business Basics for Musicians, you outline five areas where musicians must excel to exceed in their career. And at the top of that list is this idea of career execution. Uh, in what career areas uh, for a DIY artist is execution most critical? Well, you know, uh, if I might, first I would like to define uh, execution simply. And execution is the is the essentially the process of getting things done. And you know, uh, from from what happens in between an idea and and, and actually the, the the you know the the coming uh, uh, you know the fruition of that idea is this 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 great space. Um, which often <laughs> uh, leads to a lot of uh, confusion, a lot of people going off uh, the path uh, simply because they usually don't have um, clearly mapped out vision and, and short-term goals. So execution really applies to, to, to literally everything. I mean, if we start from the very, very beginning, it could be from mastering your instrument first and foremost because keep in mind i mean if we don't have you know experts to some degree in music we essentially don't have the music business so mm -hmm. execution can apply to disciplining yourself to actually practice your instrument you know every day or it could be disciplining yourself to to, to learn logic or pro tools every single day or disciplining yourself to actually you know uh, write your raps down into a notebook every day so it, you know it could apply to you know the very beginning then it can apply to the actual process of uh, first and foremost, creating a marketing plan of attack, and then, of course, doing what you say you're going to do in that marketing plan of attack. Um, similar to like a project management plan where you have everything lined up and this is when we're supposed to do it and this happens before this happens because the second thing can't happen until the first thing happens. And by this date, the first thing needs to happen so that we can meet the deadline for the second thing and so on and so forth. So, I mean, execution could be the very, very beginning, learning your craft, and then it could be executing your marketing plan of attack, which could mean the release of your record and marketing and, and, and uh, uh, you're promoting your record. Um, and, of course, execution could also be the follow-up that is uh, very, very um, important as well. You know, so it's after the fact as well, you know, uh, it's just continually putting yourself out there. So it's uh, it's something that's very important uh, for musicians um, to really learn about and to master getting things done. Well, then that's uh, always uh, it seems so simple when you say it, but I can tell you from working with musicians as uh, as you work with musicians, it's one of the toughest things to do is just to finish the things you start. And you also talked about making a plan, and it's really funny how many artists I come across. Um, when they, you know, come to me for advice or we're just talking about their career or they're getting legal advice from me and I'll ask them about, you know, what their career plan is, you know, what's, what their life looks like a year, five years from now. And they don't really have a solid answer for that. And I think there's something to be said for just, you know, knowing what you want as an artist. Um, and that being the most critical step to actually getting things done. 
That very, that's very, very true. Um, that's definitely one of the most important things is to, is to have a clear idea about where it is you're going because if you don't know where you're going, it's hard to map out directions to get there. Just like MapQuest, if you type in, um, if you, you, know, you go to MapQuest's website and ask for directions to anywhere that you don't know where it is you're going and it <laughs> yeah. will not give you directions. You need the the clear address. You need the, uh, the you know the the zip code, or it will not give you directions. It doesn't know where you want to go. So yes, that's definitely the first step. There's some other things as well. If I might talk about them, is that okay? Go for it. Okay. I think also you know it, it's very very important that musicians um, pursue a career in reality and not a, a career in fantasy. And, and most of the things that we see on television, we hear about in the news is a little bit, you know, it's, it's, it's fantasy. And it gives people this misconception that all you need to do is go and write one song and make a cool video or, you know, create a couple raps and, and you're going to be, you know, overnight, you're, you're going to be the next Dr. Dre. Um, what you really need to do is you need to be clear that this is, this is something that's going to require work just like anything else. Surely there is the exceptions where you're discovered and, and things, wonderful things happen, just like people win millions of dollars in the lottery as well, you know. But the, the odds are that you're going to have to really roll up your sleeves and you're going to have to work at this. And, and no one necessarily is going to come save you. So what you need to do is you need to create a very um, – honest entrepreneurial spirit where you're willing to actually get out there, get the ball rolling, light as many small fires as you can, hope that people see the smoke, keep on moving forward, keep on loving what you're doing, keep on believing in what you're doing, and, and not expect anyone other than yourself to make this thing happen. So you want to attract the attention of those that can help you by first helping yourself. Once you do that, you're even going to be more interesting to the people that get into your court as well. So in other words, um, that manager is going to be more excited about working with you. And the level of clout of the manager that you're able to choose from will be far higher. Um, you know, any agents will now be more interested in working with you because they see a potential for you to make money. So, so really, the idea is stop waiting around for somebody to come you know, save you. You know, you really have to get entrepreneurial about this. You have to really get fired up for this. And if you stick in there and you actually truly have something to offer, something will happen eventually. But you have to keep on um, keep on moving forward with your career and don't think this is something that's going to happen tomorrow. It could be two years. It could be three. It could be 10. It could be 15. But that should be okay because you are in love with music. You are in love with what you are doing. Now, I know that goes against the normal world. The normal world, you know, uh, wants to, you know, uh, wants to get, you know, um, established. You know, they want to buy a house. They mm -hmm. want to get married. They want to have two cars in the garage. They want all that stuff. And, I'm, and unfortunately, sometimes when you, when you pursue a career like music, there's a lot of sacrifices that are involved. And you have to be willing sometimes to do without those sacrifices. Yeah, you actually Knowing that a, one day you'll have everything. I'm sorry. No, yeah. You actually, uh, in one of your blogs uh, that I read, you actually had a great point on this where you said, if your goal is to make money, 
There are many ways that it is. There are much easier ways to make a buck in this world than being a musician. Uh, you have to be in this because you're passionate about the art, and you know the money may or may not come in the same way it would as if you became a stockbroker or uh, you know something in business or something like that. A hedge fund. Hedge fund. Yeah, <laughs> stockbroker. What year is this? Sorry about that. No, 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 no. No, that's that, that's fine. I mean, but you know, run it, run it, run a hedge fund. I mean, no, of course. Listen, to all my fellow musicians out there, I mean, of course, who doesn't want the 1-800 number to success? I mean, who doesn't want that? I totally understand. It, it's a lot of hard work, and you, you, have to, you want to get on with your life. But what I'm saying is, is that if you possess the power, and that power is the, the need, like food and water, you know, it, you, 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 music is that important to you and you're willing to put in the time and you believe in it and you're willing to make up you know for sacrifices you're willing not to have that that perfect car or that perfect apartment or that perfect television or whatever and you're willing to put up with some of the crap that's involved eventually you potentially could have a lot of that and much more but um but this the, yeah this isn't um you shouldn't approach this with, uh, hey, let's get rich, you know, quick. Uh, look, everybody else is doing it. Let's make a video and we'll get discovered on, on YouTube. And, um, and the rest is going to be history, you know. So uh, there's a lot of people out there doing this. And there's a flooded marketplace. So um, you, you can't be delusional about it. you got to be realistic. Well, I want to come to you now for some just direct uh, career advice. And I want to speak on behalf of probably many of my listeners who are in this same situation. Let's say I'm a DIY singer-songwriter, and I have all the talent in the world, and I even have a few good songs written. But I have no recordings, no social media, no web presence, no money, and no contacts. What are the first steps I should take to get my career moving? Okay, number one, we all think that we have great songs. And the reason why <laughs> is because songs are like babies. You know, you put a lot of heart and soul into it, and then they're, they are, they are uh, born, so to speak, in some tangible form, I'm sure. You know, uh, a recording on, a, on your hard drive or on GarageBand or whatever, you know. And, and there it sits. And you think this is this is ready to um, you know to be recorded and for you to spend a lot of money, et cetera, and so on and so forth. Um, so first, I would say make sure that what you have is worthy to be recorded. So that might mean hiring maybe a songwriting consultant that maybe can comb over your songs and maybe improve the contrast between the verse and the and the pre-chorus so the pre-chorus and the chorus or maybe it can change things up a little bit um you know speed up the tempo slow down the tempo maybe make the the hook lyric a little bit more clear you know that's first and foremost because if you don't have great songs or you don't have catchy songs or an interesting style you really don't have anything so that would be step number one. Make sure that you really have the goods, okay? Step number two, of course, would involve now we need to get this stuff recorded. So if we want to get it recorded and we don't have any money to record it, of course, you know, there's always home recording uh, gear and studios, you know, Logic, Pro Tools, et cetera, Ableton. Now, of course, you could spend several months and years practicing getting better with these with this gear because just because the software exists doesn't mean obviously that everyone knows how to use it so um 
you know, those, there's home recording options, of course, but you have to get good at them. Or what you could do is you could look to somebody that's already established as a producer and, and work with that person. Now, there's varying deals that you can get involved with. In some cases, a local producer might be able to work on some sort of barter arrangement. And what that would mean is that they'll be willing to record you um, essentially for, in return for a service that you could provide for them. So in one particular case I was involved in, what we did is, is we served as the band for some of the demos that he was doing of his own music, and then he would record our own music um, for free. So it was kind of a, an, an exchange. That's cool. Um, you know, yeah, absolutely. And th this type of thing exists more than you would think, you know, especially if you're a female vocalist out there and you can sing backgrounds or you could sing, you know, the, the, the tracks for, for some film and TV composer out there. And then in return, what he'll do is he'll record some of your stuff. Um, there could be what's called a sort of a, a um, uh, 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 on spec type arrangement with maybe a local producer that's in between projects and he's got this great recording gear and he, and he runs into a local artist that's got a lot of talent and he figures, Hey, why not record them? They'll run around town and spread the word about me and that will get me more business. So maybe this particular producer would be willing to do an on spec deal, which, which is something like if, if, if I record you, and and you go on to doing something with this, like I.E. getting you know some sort of deal, um, you know. Then at that point, you can pay me back X amount of money. But of course, at this point is where someone like you needs to get involved, an attorney, to make sure that any agreement that is being discussed is actually um, clear. And it's not going to get anyone in more trouble than they than they're realizing. Oh, thank so, you, Bobby. Uh, so, so, so that's important. And then, of course, uh, you know, so those are the, the those are the the, the two things. Um, you know, first and foremost, obviously, um, that can that can help uh, an artist get you know their music recorded. Then, of course, if you do have your money because you've been saving it, or Uncle Vinny decides that they want to um, you know invest some money in you and help you out. Then you go to a producer and you say, look, you know, we have 15 grand and we want to record these these eight tracks. And then, of course, um, make sure that the agreement is very clear that stipulates that, uh, you know, this producer is not going to share in any of the the ownership of your musical compositions and that they're not going to share in any way of the uh, in the sound recording. And it's a complete work made for higher condition. Also clearly stipulating that any other rights that they might be entitled to on the United States Copyright Act is quit claimed by them and you retain all authorship and ownership. And, um, and, and, you know, and of course, the project is laid out really well. Here's the beginning point. Here's the ending point. You know, here's how you're going to pay me in thirds uh, upon delivery. So you have your delivery requirements of what they're going to give you when the project's done. You know, just like the real world. You know yeah, exactly. I mean? um, so, so, you know, these are, you know, uh, so that's, you know, so those are the first uh, of uh, two steps, of course. And then, of course, the third thing would be to make sure that you have a really clear um, plan of how you're going to put this out there, how you're going to put the project out there, which could involve building a website, social media, um, and so on and so forth, which, you know, uh, I'll give your break, uh, your readers a, br a break for a moment and let you take over the mic if you would like to discuss more about that stuff as well. The social media end of it? Yeah. Oh, of course. Um, well, I I'll say this. Here's what I think is uh, pretty cool and interesting about your answer is I have actually asked this question to a few different um, folks in the music industry on this podcast because I think it's a 
it's it's kind of an interesting question to kind of it really forces some creativity on, on the part of the interviewee but also it fits the situation of a lot of the folks who are listening to this show and your answer is unique among the answers i've heard because when I've asked this to other people, I usually get some uh, version of, oh, you got to get on Facebook and Twitter. You got to make sure your YouTube channel's up and running. You got to make sure you got a solid website and a blog. But what was good about your answer, and I think it's there's a lot of uh, truth and uh, a good sense to this, is that for you, it all comes down to the content. You know, you can have the greatest web presence in the world and a, and a, and a smashing Facebook account, but in the end, it doesn't mean a damn thing if your content isn't where it needs to be. And that's correct. And, you know, and that's something I mean, I stress a lot on the show and it's great to hear it from you is in the end, your content is king. And and so, I mean, there's going to be plenty of folks out there who can talk about how to create a good Twitter profile and a Facebook profile. But I think your advice is particularly astute when you say in the end, um, you got to make sure your content is in a solid place and you got to make some good, you know, time and value investments in good content. Um and, I, and perhaps I think uh, this next question sort of feeds into the previous question. Um, of the DIY artists that you've confronted as a consultant and as a musician, what would you say is the biggest or most common mistake that you see DIY artists making in their career? I think one of the biggest mistakes, um, which I touched on earlier, is um, this, uh, this feeling of immediacy. Um, they want it right now and, um, and everything has to happen right now. And as a result, uh, they don't go through proper planning. Um, so this opens up a whole new door for a, a, another conversation. Um, you know, you're sitting in your room and you're writing and you want to just get the songs done and put them up on YouTube and, and become an internet overnight success. But what you need to really think about is you need to kind of look about, uh, you know, you kind of need to clearly kind of define what it is that you want to do on the long term. So where is it ultimately that we want all this to end up? So we need it to have a clear vision. I mean, let's look seven years out. With all this stuff that you're doing, all this jotting notes down, writing raps, you know, putting the videos, I mean, ultimately, what is it specifically that we want to do? You know, um, do we want to be signed to a major? Really? Do we want to be signed to an independent? Maybe. If so, which one? I mean, which ones are some of the ones that are doing well out there? And if we want a DIY, do, is that really what we want? I mean, surely there's examples of people like Ryan Lewis and Macklemore that were able to get a really big major label distributor, by the way, in case you didn't know that, uh, working with them. Uh, they're a great example of a DIY success. But um, are you really going to be okay with being a DIY artist and doing everything and running your, your own thing? I mean, you really kind of have to understand what it is that you're getting involved in and have a clear idea about what it is. You know, what kind of mark do you want to leave on the world? I mean, uh, is, is it is to be a role model, to be just a, a party kind of guy, to make a statement about some, you know, um, political movement or something, you know? So you really want to have a clear idea about where it is you're going, first and foremost. And then secondly, you have to look out into the marketplace and ask yourself if everyone gives a shit about your vision. And what I mean by that is that will, will anyone care about what it is that you're trying to do? Um, how unique is your idea? How different is it from where, uh, you know, from what th where things are right now? So, for example, 
Um, by the time you get good at what you're doing, probably what's happening now won't be happening anymore. So I think of the Wayne Gretzky quote, you know, the key to his success was not skating where the puck is, but skating where the puck is going. And you have to have a, an awareness of the external marketplace of what is going on socially, economically, what are some of the things that are happening in, in, in the world politically that might give you cues to song topics that you could be singing about? You know, yesterday I was listening to NPR News, and it looks like things are going back into a little bit of a trend of political hip-hop again. Um, and there seems to be a resurgence of political hip-hop, so people aren't just singing about, like, getting laid and going to clubs. Um, things are getting a little bit uh, a little bit deeper again. Could that be a cue of maybe that might be a direction that you want to head into? Now, the challenge, of course, is you always have to remain um, honest to your, you know, have to remain pure to your artistic integrity. But at the same point, you have to know how to bend that a little bit so that you can have a successful career and you're not just a copycat artist. You want to find sort of your place in the market. So, so those two things right there are so hugely important and one of the biggest mistakes that artists are making because they just want to pump stuff out and sound like everyone else and put it out there and there's no clear distinction between themselves and, and, and other artists. So that's the number one mistake that I see and I've got many more to go if you'd like. Oh, keep going. Absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, then, then, of course, the second thing, which, which, is, which is really huge, is that, you know, once you do kind of have this idea, you know, then you have to really be clear about who your target audience is, and you have to really understand who that audience is. Our, the world potentially is our audience, but not right now. Because essentially, if you're trying to write messages that are going to appeal to literally everybody, it's really difficult to do that because a 10-year-old doesn't think like an 18-year-old and an 18-year-old doesn't think like a 38-year-old. So what's, what could be useful for you is to break your world, so to speak, into segments of, of groups that think and act alike. And then understand how they think and act and, and try to speak to what's called your most likely audience, the, the audience that's going to most likely be into what you're doing. Try to understand it so that you can actually speak to them in very, very clear, direct words. And you can win them over and then, of course, maybe then move on to the next segment and win that segment over. But when you try to appeal to everyone, you water down your statement a little bit, and that makes it sort of difficult to, to have a real clear brand. You know, let's take NWA, for example. I mean, their brand was very, very clear. They were appealing to, you know, um, you know, you know, certain communities that were fed up of harassment by police, that were fed up of, of being mistreated and not getting equal treatment. And their statement was clear from everything from their name to the titles of their songs to um, what they said in the press. And that's why they were able to, to get such a strong, loyal following that then bled over into other target audiences. So have a real clear idea about who it is you're trying to appeal to and really make sure that you know how to push their buttons. Um, moving on, you know, conduct a little research. Don't be afraid to look out there and test to see whether or not your stuff is working. You know, um, you know, do some focus groups. You know, let's just say, for example, where you get 30 people into a room and you play through your songs 
and say, hey, which six of these 12 songs do you guys think should make the record? And then do that again with another group of 30 people and then another group. And interestingly, if 99% of the people say that these six songs should make that record, I think that's pretty good odds that these six songs should make your record. Because after all, you're, 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 you want to create art, but there's no fun in creating art if you're the only one that's into it. I mean, ultimately, you want other people to be into, obviously, what you do as well. And there's something so, to be said for taking advantage of modern social media um, to you know, t- use those same sort of focus group techniques and crowdsource on a social media level. I mean, it's all, all the more easier to get feedback from your fans by taking advantage of things like Twitter and Facebook to uh, get some real-time uh, insight from them and make your music a lot more collaborative with your fan base. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I would suggest also SurveyMonkey as well. If you guys are not familiar with this, SurveyMonkey is um, a a website, I mean, that's very, very simple. I mean, it's free. I mean, you can set up these great surveys. You can pump them out to your audience, and all the analytics are done for you. You don't have to collect any data that spits it out. You know, 95% of the people thought this band name or this album title was was better than than this album title. You know, and again, keep in mind that it's very, very important that the art that you put out there, you're also satisfied with as well. So first and foremost, you want to kind of make sure that you're happy with things and then pump it out there and get a sense for what your your audience thinks as well. It's so important. Research is the breakfast of champions. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you uh, do for a living nowadays. Uh, what does a music business consultant do exactly, and what sort of people can benefit from having a uh, consultant uh, in their professional life? A music business consultant doesn't sleep. <laughs> um, well, you know, the, the, it's it's interesting. I mean, um, I do a lot of research. And there's just so much stuff out there, you guys, and so much information um, that you continually have to be learning. So on that note, I am still a student, you know, uh, of higher education. I mean, you know, I am constantly in either certificate programs from in everything from finance to psychology to project management to marketing. It's just insane to think that you that anyone in this day and age can just stop learning. So uh, I'm constantly um, uh, researching and reading uh, myself. I am constantly in touch with artists all day long, um, meeting with them, listening to the types of problems that they're having and some of the things that they don't understand. Um, I teach probably uh, a number of classes, uh, music marketing, uh, basic uh, you know business issues. Uh, music publishing, so that takes up a quite uh, quite a lot of my time. <laughs> um, and then, of course, I'm always writing these these new books. I've I've pumped out a lot of books over the last couple of years: business basics for musicians and music marketing for the DIY musician. And I have another book uh, that's coming out, which is a collaboration of five authors called "The Five Star Music Makeover." And all of these books are, are, are um, published by Hal Leonard uh, Publishing, which does a really fine uh, job with the work that they do. Um, and then of course, you, you, you know, you have to, there was a great quote by Louis Armstrong that says what we play is life. 
So if you don't have some life to put into your music, I mean, then what do you have, you know? So you have to go out and you have to live life a little bit too, and you have to be balanced. So I, I, of course I exercise and and I'm into nutrition and, um, you know, and you have to kind of just get out there and experience and, 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 and and love the world. I mean, this is, this is all information that you're going to put back into your music. Um, right on. So, but, um, you know, kind of narrowing the field a little, a little bit in terms of the consulting services you provide for an artist. Um, oh, I see. I'm sorry. Sure. I got you. Not, not that your answer uh, wasn't uh, marvelous in its own right, but uh, uh, it, it sort of just satisfies my own curiosity because uh, I would say for me, this is a, a job description that I've only now started to hear more about from people being in this field. And I'm, I'm just genuinely curious as to what sort of services uh, uh, consultants would provide for a DIY or any kind of artist? Sure, I got you. So I'll use a current client um, sort of as a model. Um, so, uh, you know, first it's the um, sit down and have the reality check, you know, uh, talk. So essentially a lot of times people are, are trying to move into the, to the music business and they want to know about it. So the first thing would be is, is just kind of um, – I guess like the motivational kind of, Hey, tell me a little bit about the industry and, and the possibility of breaking into it and what a career kind of, kind of looks like. So I I would come with call that like sort of therapy or or (laughs) introductory kind of, um, you know, you know, meeting where you kind of give an overview Um, and then little things will come in. So for example, we need to find a producer um, so of course, over my many, many years of being in this business, I know tons of them. So I'll put client together with producer and then I'll, I'll discuss with them the things that they should be looking at in terms of, of an agreement. And then at that point, it might also mean me bringing a friend in who's an attorney to draft a very simple agreement for them so that they can have something that they both understand that's clear. Um, so, uh, the next step might be um, they want to get into a, let's just say, for example, a big music convention like the Taxi Road Rally or uh, South by Southwest, and they want to know how to apply for that and what the deadlines are, and, and they're not uh, sure how to go about that or they don't know any, have any connections there. So, so I might have some ins where I can get you know their application in, um, you know directly to somebody to make sure it gets opened and make sure that they get on on stage and 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 that type of thing then they might say you know hey um you know we would like uh, to meet with a songwriting consultant please refer us um you know or they might want me to write a marketing plan of attack with them and sit down and and plan out everything from who's going to build their website you know, how that website should be branded, you know, but mostly what I do is I, I really help the artist figure out who it, who they are and, and kind of bring that out of them. Uh, because certainly I can't tell them what to do. Um, I can only suggest to, how to search for, for, for who they are. So there's branding issues. A, a lot of it really is, is telling people what not to do as well. So, and that comes from experience of being in the industry for so many years. Yeah. Oh, um, oh as you say, it, sound, sure. it sounds like there's a, a, a lot of stuff going on there. You know, uh, some of what you're, it sounds like you're doing is uh, 
management. Uh, so a lot of it's uh, a business advisor. I'm hearing some like executive career coaching in there too. Uh, you really have to be a lot of things to an artist uh, to uh, be a uh, music business consultant. Sounds really exciting. You 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 know you 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 really do. Uh, of course, you know uh, I have to walk the fine line between, as we pointed out earlier. You know I am not an attorney. Um, so I have to know when the right time is to say, hey, we, we should talk to an attorney and you should talk to this guy or go call this guy or this guy and use the person you like the best. So sometimes those issues are um, very simple things like, you know, how do you copyright a song, which is, you know, or copyright register rather. How do you copyright register a song? Should I be with this PRO or that PRO? Um, you know, who's the Harry Fox agency or how do I license a song for, for a record? So there's some legal things involved, of course, but, um, you know, these are very, very straightforward, simple things. Um, when it gets into things like, hey, is this person infringing my trademark? You know, that might be an, an area where I immediately say, hey, we need to go out and, um, you know, and make sure the right person is looking at this. So you're right. It's all encompassing of a lot of different things. Um, essentially, I could have easily answered your question by saying it's kind of like being a personal manager, but um, I get paid right away. <laughs> so it's slightly better and, than and, being you know, a personal manager. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just tell you, uh, to all those, the, the, the artists out there, um, you know, you know, let's 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 look at that. I mean, you know, if you want to meet with someone like myself, you know, you would contact, uh, you know, uh, you know, a consultant and you would tell them specifically, hey, you know, here is what our problems are. Here's what our needs are. And you sit down with somebody and they you pay them for the hour. The, the It's very clear what it is that you're that you're, you know, you're, you're being charged and what it is that you're going to get. And if you're not happy, you know, most consultants would be, you know, fine with giving you 100 percent, you know, discount. At least I am. I feel that if I don't do anything for you, I don't want your money. Um, you know, not all people are like that, but certainly I am. And, you know, you know what you're getting and you get it and you sit down in whatever amount number of sessions. And then, of course, you know, a personal manager is kind of that ongoing thing where, you know, um, they're they're watching over you. And in, in the future, they're going to get, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 percent, sometimes even more. Um, and uh, and, you know, and they're managing six or seven other people at the same time. So, you know, sometimes you're not ready for a personal manager yet. And you just might want quick advice from somebody um, that's been in the trenches or have been where you would like to be. And that's where um, a, a consultant can be useful. Um, that that does seem, you know, that you know, the way you bring that up makes perfect sense. I think there is sort of a gap to be bridged between, you know, the time when you actually want a full-time personal manager, um, you know, taking, you know, 15 or 20% and, you know, but before you get to that point where you have a sophisticated enough operation where you might need somebody like that or want somebody like that, you might still just need some, you know, general quick advice and you, you know, and uh, I could see how a, a music business consultant can bridge that gap. Uh, you can find out more about Bobby Borg's consulting services at his website, bobbyborg.com. Bobby, before we let you go uh, today, uh, I wanted to ask you uh, one more question uh, from your book, and I think this is a good way to close it. In your Business Basics for Musicians book, you give some predictions about the future of the music industry. Where do you see the industry heading over the coming decades, and how do you think those changes will affect independent musicians specifically? Okay, um, 
so uh, the future, of course, is going to bring changes. And, and how do I see these changes affecting independent artists? Um, it, 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 a very, very important question. And thank you for, for leaving that. I think that would be a great close. Um, ultimately, I believe that the opportunities for independent artists are going to continue to grow. Um, there's going to be more opportunities to distribute music, um, you know, put your, 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 your videos up and, um, and of course, um, you know, put your websites up, et cetera, so on and so forth. Um, I, I think as a result, you're, you're going to really have to understand how to monetize your music in some way so that you're not just throwing stuff up and it's, you know, getting streamed on your SoundCloud or whatever. And, uh, and you're not able to generate some sort of, you know, income from this. Um, if, if you're, you know, purely um, a hobbyist, then that's fine. But at some point, there's so much that you really need to understand. I mean, what's the difference between ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, and Sound Exchange? I mean, um, if you want to cover a song, who's the Harry Fox agency? If you want to legally put up a video, what's a synchronization license? And do you need one? And why are there so many illegal uh, videos on, on YouTube? Um, you know, what happens if your music is used in foreign territories? What is a sub-publisher? You know, um, all of these things are, are very, very important. So the more opportunity there is for musicians to, to, to get their music online and to sort of be this DIY entrepreneurial artist, the more you are going to have to be um, knowledgeable about the industry, the more responsible you're going to have to be about all this stuff. So th there's, there's no hiding from it. So the changes is, is going to be there's going to be a lot more tools available for artists, but there's a lot more that you're now going to need to know and be responsible for. And also, you need to be savvy enough to know what not to go for um, in terms of these tools that are going to come up that all want to get your money. Um, give us 300 for this. Give us 200 for that. If you sign up with this, we get this. But we want your exclusive rights for that. What are exclusive rights? I mean, it's really, really important that you guys master the business, which is going to be challenging because you're trying to master your instrument at the same time. You know, so, you know, lots more opportunity, lots more responsibility. Oh, that's a, a great way to close it. Uh, Bobby, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, this was terrific. And you gave us lots of great advice. And uh, we'd love to have you on again real soon. Please don't be a stranger. I would love to. And if anyone wants to, again, if I might, uh, uh, you know, uh, let them know how they can get a hold of me. It's just www.bobbyborg.com. And um, if you guys are interested in reading um, some of the things that we were talking about, uh, the book is called Music Marketing for the DIY Musician and Business Basics for Musicians. And coming out in March, a new one called The Five Star Music Makeover. Oh, fantastic. All good reads, I am sure. Uh, thanks very much, Bobby. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Thanks for listening.
Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Bobby Borg for stopping by in the previous segment. You can find out more about his books as well as his consulting services by going to bobbyborg.com. I had a feeling it was going to be a long interview because this guy's got so much great insight. So I wanted to sort of make sure that the first segment was cut short so that we could get a nice, good, long interview with Bobby. And he was terrific. I hope we can have him on again. Mm -hmm. But now we're in the D block. It's your world, Dave. And you've all you've told me so far, you haven't given me much to go on, but you've told me that this is going to be Star Wars related. You promised me no spoilers, I hope. No, no, there's no spoilers. Okay, but now it's your... So I don't know what's going to happen here, and I'm a little afraid, but here we go. Okay. I know what's going to happen. Okay. Now it's time for Dave's as-yet-untitled game show, Star Wars Edition. Oh, God. Really? No. Really? What? <laughs> what? We're, we're going we're, we're gonna to do the game that I suck at and you make fun of me, but now it's going to be about Star Wars. Yes. God, everybody is going to love this except and for I me. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, okay, good. At least, you know what... There's seven movie titles for me to choose from. You know, oh, okay, good. I've got a fighting chance. I actually was thinking that. Like, it's a closed universe if they're all Star Wars related. Wrong! Oh, great. Good, it still works. Uh, actually, <laughs> what I've done here is something different. I actually am not using movie title names. I'm using names and things from the Star Wars universe. Oh, so it's like Star Wars characters, all in, all, concepts. Yes, all-encompassing. And they're all inside before and afters that I have to guess. Yep. I'm going to lose. I felt really good like and, uh, for a I've brief a, moment, I've got but a now bunch I don't here, anymore. So I am not, I am going to basically, I'm going to start kind of timing you and we're going to move on. And this may be like a sort of rapid fire thing, assembly line of death for you. How many do you um, have? Oh God. I got a good amount. Oh my God, man. All right. All right. All right. Um, well, you, you know, know, feel you, free to play along at home listeners. Well, you, you know what I'm going to say to you? What are you wrong? Use the force. Do you not want to use the force. What was the line that Han Solo said in uh, A New Hope? You don't believe in that, do you? Or something. Sorry, you're more Hokey, was... uh, you know, like ancient religions and like Hokies are no match for a good blaster. On That's side. what I'm saying. Okay. Look at me like misquoting. Your I thought you were going to say like what, what, what does Han Solo say in this movie? I'm like, I'm not going to tell you that. That would spoil it. Oh. All I know he says is, like, uh, all the stories, they're all true. And that's from the previews. That's not a spoiler. Yeah, yeah it's Han Solo's in the trailer, so you can't say, Oh, my God, Han Solo, I didn't know. It's like, F you. You do. <laughs> all right, here we go. It would be a big deal if Captain Picard showed up. Now, I mean, does that happen? I mean, don't tell us. Well, I mean, J.J. Abrams did do Star Trek. Now, granted, he did the original series, Star Trek. But that would be great if, if Captain Picard all of a sudden is, like, sky, like, like you know... They're, they're flying through space. Also, no, we're picking up a ship. And it's like, what is that? They see the Enterprise on it. It's like, excuse me. We're looking for Romulus. Romulus. No, I'm going to let you drown in your Patrick Stewart impression. <laughs> that sounds an know, awful lot like Sean Connery. Right. It's terrible. That's, I, I've never Make it show. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, make it show. <laughs> We've got a license to fly this spaceship, Ryan. <laughs> Riker. I think you'll leave Troy to me. <laughs> I'm the sexy one here. And I play the flute or piccolo or whatever the devil that thing is. <laughs> this I want to do a whole podcast with Sean Connery, Captain Picard. I'll say this is so inside right now. This, <laughs> this, this is like we're going beyond inside. If you have not watched episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, you are gone. I feel like we have a pretty decent nerd contingent in our 
I listener so. base because of all the Mary Amber fans that listen. Yeah. Now, granted, I guess you know I'm not sure if they if they if they're stopping the show. I mean, does Nielsen take that into account? I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> don't worry. I think once we get the download, it counts. Okay. Good. <laughs> all right. Take that, Nielsen. <laughs> or, or whatever the heck also the uh, the boxes are. Those don't exist anymore, do they? Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Let's go to the game show. Damn it. Stop distracting me. Sorry. All right. <clears throat> Try to keep Pardon your mouth me. near the mic there, boss. I see you're drifting. I'm kind of clearing my throat. Sorry. Douche. <laughs> All righty here. I'm horrified. All right. Ready? Yes. No, but we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> if I said no, would you? Would that have in any way deterred you? No. Okay, so why'd you even ask? Just to be polite? Okay, okay, okay. Star Wars! Okay. <laughs> Star Wars. All right. Get ready to play a game with everyone's favorite Wookiee and James, Bond fav- James Bond's favorite card game. Oh, I got this. It's a Chewbacca rot. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Where's that? Wait. Yes. You, I hate you. <laughs> I plant. I'm trying to go through these quick because I, 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 I think you have 50 of them. So All I'm right. trying to answer fast. All right. Team up with, uh, with a Jedi to solve crimes and fight, cri- fight crimes with Cheech Marin. Ooh, let me get that one again. Team up with this Jedi to fight crimes with Cheech Marin. With Cheech Marin? Okay, wait, Cheech Marin was on like a crime-fighting TV show, and I'm trying to remember which one it is. Wait a minute, I think you have these mixed up. <laughs> what? No. Because I think, I think the, okay, I think I got, okay, here's what happened, and you're going to feel foolish, because I think the answer you are looking for is Luke Skywalker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. However, what? Cheech Marin was not on Walker, Texas Ranger. He was on Nash Bridges, the other CBS crime fighting show. <laughs> oh, fuck, you're right. Boom. <laughs> I should get double points for that. <laughs> Cheech Marin was not on Walker, Texas Ranger. He wasn't? No. Right. no, Nash Bridges. No, there, there, wow, was, this there is was a candid moment. There was no like silly comedian comic relief co-host on Walker Texas Ranger. There was on Nash Bridges. It was Cheech Marin, and there was one on uh, Martial Law, and that was Arsenio Hall. Irrelevant. We move on. <laughs> I should get double points for that. Okay, enjoy watching this 1980 CBS soap opera aboard the this, the ship that made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. Ooh, there was a, there was a. I mean, the, the back half of it's going to be Millennium Falcon, but I don't remember a um, okay. 80s sitcom called something Millennium. I don't know. Millennium Falcon Crest. No, oh, you wrong. You, you did it backwards. It's, uh, we, we, we keep going. <laughs> That's no moon. That's Ed McMahon looking for talent. Death Star Search. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... This old Jedi master decides to retire to South Florida to be with his three older uh, friends <laughs> and date. <laughs> I'm coming up with these actually off the cuff. I don't have the Wait, you, you have the answer? You're just throwing it together. Okay, let me yeah. hear it again. <laughs> this old Jedi master retires to South Florida to be uh, with his three... Uh, w- with his two friends and his mother. With his two friends... Uh, Obi Wan Kenobi Arthur. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel so good and bad about that. Okay. 
You idiot! Yes, I'm the new character of the new Star Wars movie! Kylo Ren and Stimpy. Yes! <laughs> By the way, you're getting a lot of these right. I don't like this. I kind of like the rap. I, I kind of like this format instead of like, you know, like only having three, but just doing it rapid fire, and then we could put music on in the background. Wrong! The other way is better. <laughs> This is the most evil ruling man in the galaxy who's kind of a bossy pants. <laughs> Emperor Palpatine of Faye. <laughs> yes! yes. <laughs> and finally, this is the this man is the overseer of the first Death Star and would like to know who is your daddy and what does he do? Oh my god. Uh, the overseer of the first Death Star. And he would like to know who is your daddy and what does he do? Um, God, what the hell was the name of that guy? Damn it. Um, I know. No, oh, I know you know. You wrote the question. Oh, God, I, I'm doing so well. I want to end on a, a good... Uh, uh, no, don't you hit that button yet. Give me a second. Oh, come on. Um, shoot. Just give, 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 me like, give me like 15 seconds, all right? Just It's going to be bad podcasting, Use but I need like 15 force, seconds of, science, uh, of silence. Just, Use just, the force, Ryan. Oh, my God. The guy, what was his name? Uh, oh, come on. I can't remember. Wrong. Wrong. Grand Moff Tarking, Tark Kindergarten Cop. I had to say, I, could, oh. I know. I couldn't remember Grand Moff Tarkin. Yes, oh. Grand Moff Tarkin, kindergarten cop. cop. Yes, so that I I'm pleasantly surprised, a little angry, frankly. <laughs> I I didn't think you'd get all. You actually you got seven out of eight. That's not bad. You got se- that's a new record for you. That's no. I feel like I got a second one wrong there somewhere, where you, you had got, them you got backwards. Chewbacca, Luke, Soccer, Luke Skywalker, Texas Ranger, Millennium Falcon. Oh no, you're gonna get Millennium Falcon crash. You're right. That's right. Yes, screw you. Ha <laughs> But I should get a bonus point because your Walker, Texas Ranger one was complete <laughs> crap because Cheech Marin was not in Walker, Texas Ranger. And I still got it right. Nash, I completely forgot. <laughs> I was trying to think if there was like another Star Wars character named Nash, like maybe in like the books yeah. or something. Oh, wait, what, what or in the, Clone Wars. Well, who, who was the, the lead in Nash Bridges? Uh, Don Johnson. Oh, you're right. What the hell's the difference between Walker, Texas Ranger, and Nash Bridges? Chuck Norris? I know that, but other than that, I don't think there's a difference. Well, like, I feel like Chuck Norris, I mean, I've never watched really any of these shows, but like, I mean, Chuck Norris is Chuck Norris. Like, he kicks, he uses a lot more karate. Nash Bridges is just Nash Bridges. Didn't Don Johnson do karate? I mean, not the way Chuck Norris did. Like, nobody makes, nobody makes, you know, Don Johnson jokes. They make Chuck Norris jokes. But Don Johnson was in Miami Vice. Yeah, we got. Are, are we? Aren't we supposed to be more loyal to him because we're in Miami? Oh yes, because that show really accurately. Actually, you know, I guess back then it was you know probably pretty accurate with all the drugs and stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, you after this, we're, you and I are going to smuggle some cocaine right now. <laughs> oh God! And on that note, um, <laughs> our thanks to Bobby Borg. Um, and thank you as well, Dave. Uh, yes, thank for those great Star Wars questions. I promise I'm going to see it before the next episode. So you have a week. I know. I'm wondering if I should devise a punishment for you that if at a certain point, every day you don't see it, I give you a new piece of information about the movie. Oh my God, that's horrifying. That's incentive, isn't it? Like you're going to start texting me like a random fact about the movie for every day I don't see it? Hey, listen, it's also horrifying to be locked up in a cell for a long time, but we do these things to deter bad behavior. Are you calling my not seeing Star Wars yet an act of criminality? I mean, kind of. 
<laughs> I think so, because it's like, who's not seeing it? Who's not seeing it? A lot of people haven't seen it yet. Who amongst you are not seeing it? Hey, Captain Picard's back. That's not Captain Picard. That would be Scotty, if anything. What are you talking about? Oh, I know, but like per- apparently every Scottish accent to you is Captain Picard. No, this is Captain Picard. No, Ryan. <laughs> it's not Captain Picard. Yes, I'm Captain Picard. Make it show. <laughs> oh, Diana, you're looking nice. Well, <laughs> ooh, Beverly here, too. <laughs> Time to boldly go where and, no man's gone before. And you've already and that that's such a sad thing about next generation is you've already run out of female characters. Oh wait, this is the holodeck and there's Tasha Yar. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I really got you going. And, and, and now who do you got? Like now he's gonna have to like start having the hots for like Barkley or something. Like you've run out of characters. Oh look, there's Darmok and Jalad. Who? Remember Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra when the walls fell? Oh, right. Chaka. Oh, yeah. damn. I thought it would be greater if you would have been like, that would have sent you over the edge and go into a laughing face. <laughs> this is <laughs> inside baseball. References. But yeah, like, like you're, you're Sean. I love how you're Sean Connery, Captain Picard. You know, he's much more lecherous because I guess you know, that's <laughs> the way Sean Connery would be as James Bond. Yeah. But he's already run out of female characters, basically. Mm, or yeah, Nershagawa. Well, maybe, maybe Nershagawa, yes, but... <laughs> No, Dr. Pulaski. No. <laughs> that lady can stay whenever she is in the Phantom Zone or something, but that's, that's Superman now. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what it is. All right. Thanks very much, Dave. Thanks to Bobby Borg. We will see you next week on the Break the Business Podcast. Star Wars. <laughs>